Um, for those of you that don't know, my name is Sean Mashangu. I'm married to Tato. Um, she hasn't changed her surname yet, but we're working on it. Um, uh, so, so, we've, so we've been down here for um, almost five years, I think in January. And uh, my missus is two and a bit, two and a half years. Um, we're part of this awesome community. Um, so I'm going to say hi to Starla. Can we all say hi to Starla? So Starla is watching, okay? So hey, Starla, how's it going? Um, cool. So let's get cracking. So what I'm going to talk about today is I'm going to teach about having a teachable spirit or a teachable heart, okay? So we're going to go for gold, right? Can you just look to the person next to you? Just look them dead in the eye. I'm watching to see if you're doing it. You promise you'd participate. Look them dead in the eye. Just say to them, listen, learn, and repeat. Okay, awesome. So to be teachable, what does it mean to be teachable? Okay, to be able to learn by being taught. It's very simple. A teachable person is open to instruction um, and willing, open to learn. They're amenable and they're bright. A teacher, otherwise known as an educator in today's day and age, is someone who helps others acquire knowledge, competence, and virtue. All right. Now, in the biblical context, okay, so the Bible was written, majority of it in Hebrew and Aramaic, right? And for them, teacher meant instructor, okay? So by virtue of that, it meant a teaching was an instruction, okay? Not a request or a suggestion. That's why when we read the Word of God, we don't find God saying, please do not murder, please do not steal. He just says, do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery. It's all instruction. All right? Can we get the scripture up, please? We're going to look at John 14, 15, um, and then I'll tell you as I go along where we're going to hop to. So just, this is after the Last Supper. Jesus is sitting down with his disciples, and he says this to them. If you really love me, you will obey my commandments. Okay, verse 21. The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the only one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him. I will show and manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him, and I will make myself real to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep, open brackets, obey my teaching. Okay, command and teaching. See the interchange there? Okay, and my Father will love him, and we will come and we will make our home in him. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching. So stay with me. God is saying my instruction is teaching. If you obey my instruction and if you obey my teaching, you're showing yourself to really love me. All right. What does that have to have with the teachable spirit? Can we just put up that quote? So this quote is by um, T.D. Jakes. It's incredible. It's an incredible quote, and it, it helped me a lot. It says, love manifests in the midst of options. Love manifests itself in the midst of options. Okay, so people tend to think that this free will and choice is this moral dilemma, but it's not, and I'm going to talk you through it now, okay? So all the ladies in the room, can you just put your hands up? Let me see. Okay, that's all of you. If you had a boyfriend, a fiancé, or a husband, right, and someone came to you and told you that that person only really loved you because they had no other choice, you were the only woman in the world and they had to love you, would that excite you or make you happy? Right. What if someone, same set of people, told you that there are so many women in the world, okay, different types, different varieties, different accents and voices, but your person picked you in and amongst all those people. How would that make you feel good, huh? 
Exactly. All right. The average adult makes 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. Plus minus 300 of those decisions are around food. If you like me, it's probably more. It's probably more if you like me, okay? Okay, but why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that so that you can understand how involved you actually are in your walk with God, guys. It's not passive. 35,000 decisions a day to demonstrate that you love God. In the year that equates to, I say, plus minus 13 million opportunities to demonstrate your understanding, 13 million. If you live to be 70 or 85 years old, it's about 1.2 billion opportunities to choose to listen to God and demonstrate that you love him. Yeah? Right? So, so you're very involved. It's not passive. It's not, you don't get saved and get into Jesus and kind of sit back and be like, okay, God, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. You're actively involved. You choose. So knowing that you have choice, okay, choice, when you're in God, choice is actually a blessing. It's not a burden. It's a gift from God. Okay, so when my mom was teaching me how to drive, so she taught me how to drive. We, we had this Rev4. It was an incredible car. Had like 400,000 kilometers in it. But my dad loved it, so we never sold it. We kept it. It's a manual car, and she was teaching me how to drive. Then we moved. So we moved to this new place, and it's by Whitbank Dam. If anybody knows about Whitbank, I am from the W, represent. And so there's Whitbank Dam, and there was this, it's almost like a little ramp. You know where people kind of set their boats off into the water? She parked the car in reverse, okay? One facing this way, okay? So we're looking up, driving away from the water. If I roll back, I'd get into the water. She kept parked the car, she said, she's like, so you've got your learners now, and we've talked about this. Okay? She said to me, we've talked about this, so you, you know what you need to do, right? She's like, you're going to drive us home from here, okay? If the car rolls back into the water, you're going to have to explain to your father what happened. That's what she said to me, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I got us out. So we drove clutch control. I still drive stick today after that experience because I'm a real driver. And, you know. Um, but, but, but here's the thing. That moment, guys, just showed me a picture of what God does with us. God is like, guys, I've done the hard work. I've done the hard yards. I've told you what you need to do. Here it is. You've learned it. Now go and do it. So I asked my mom driving home. I said, mom, weren't you afraid that? She was like, no, I knew you were going to do it, baby. I knew you were going to do it. And that's what God is saying to you every single day, every opportunity. God is saying, I know you can make the right choice. I know you can make the right decision. But he's not going to force you. The same way that you don't want someone to be forced to love you is the same way God won't force you to love him. And you demonstrate your love for God by choosing him. All right. So how do you make the right choice? You need to make informed decisions, correct? You need to know what's right to be able to make the right choice. Okay. I had a look at this. And the number one thing that actually stops people from making the right decisions is pride. Okay. A picture of pride. We'll go to Exodus 5.2. Moses is sent by God to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay. Here's Pharaoh's response. Who is the Lord that I would obey him? I know not the Lord, neither would I let his people go. That's what he says to Moses. That's shocking. Okay. You need to understand. So Pharaoh, Pharaohs were considered like, they were deities. They were God kings. So in, in his mind, he was God. Okay. In his mind, he was saying to, to Moses, man, everything you see around you is under me. It's under me. So why would I listen to this God that you're coming to tell me about, man? Like, why would I do that? 
And we know that Pharaoh's story didn't end well. It's shocking, but guys, this is what we do every now and again. Every time we know what God says we need to do, we look back at God and we say, oh God, I know what you said about that girl, but it's going so good. I've got this, don't stress, it's okay. I know what you said about tithing, but I'm in a bit of debt and giving, oh man, you know, I'm gonna do it. Just relax, I've got this under control. Every time we know what God says and we choose to do our own thing, it's pride. We're exalting ourselves above the knowledge of God. We're saying we're no better. Pride. Okay? What we do when we have pride is that we have a warped sense of our reality. We have a warped sense of our capacity and our capabilities. Because we're not humble. So we refuse to have godly teaching in our lives. Yeah? We still good? Awesome. All right. We talked about community very briefly. I had a friend. His name was John Paul de Clack. I loved this guy. I can say it now. I'm not in a weird way, love, but I love this guy. <laughs> I honestly loved him. He was an incredible guy, absolutely incredible. Um, he had a big heart. We grew up together. I was between, um, say, 8 and 12 years old. He shared everything with me, man. His lunch, we lived in the townships. John Paul would come from town into the townships, have sleepovers at miles. That was a big thing. You know, like, he was, like, honestly like a brother to me. But here's the thing. John Paul didn't come from a God-fearing home, Okay. And by virtue, you spoke about it now, community, of being around people, you pick up stuff, you learn, okay? So your decisions and your choices become informed by things that are outside of God, right? So every time I went to John Paul's house and I slept over, whenever he wanted to do something and his mother said, no, this is what he'd do, he'd say something crazy like, oh, I'm going to pack my bags, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm running away, you know? And the mom would freak out, absolutely freak out, oh, John Paul, I love you, and I was like, so over time, that kind of sunk in with me, I was like, oh, okay. Cool, so this is what you do when you want to get your way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so now, I can see it, don't worry. So, so, so now, I get home one day. I don't know what, I don't remember what I was asking my mom for. I don't remember. But essentially, I'd taken counsel from an ungodly place, and I tried to apply it in my life, right? <laughs> so my mom is cooking in the kitchen. She says, how was your day? This, that, that. So I said to her, mom, can I have? I don't know what it was. And she said to me, no. And I was like, you know what, just roll the dice. So I said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm leaving, you know? Like, mom, I'm done. You, you know, like, oh, I threw this fit. She didn't panic. My mom didn't freak out. She just kept cooking. She didn't even turn around to look at me. She just kept cooking. She just kept cooking. So I stormed. I said, I'm packing my bags. I'm leaving. As I left the kitchen, this is what she said. She said to me, Unati. Okay, so my mom doesn't call me. She says, Unati, just make sure when you're packing, you only pack the things that you bought with your own money. That's what she said to me, right? How's that for like divine intervention and godly wisdom, right? So I'm like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. So I get into my room and I realize I actually don't have anything <laughs> at all. Like I don't have a thing, right? So I go, wander the streets, wander the streets, and my mom knows absolutely everybody. And everybody kind of knows what my mom's about, okay? So my mom loved Jesus, you know? People were like, this guy's out in the street at half past seven in the evening. What's going on, you know? So our gardener walks out of a shabin that I'm walking past over in the town. He says to me, man, what are you doing? Not home, you know? So I tell him the story. He's like, dude, go back home. But now in my mind, I'm like, I can't go back because I know what my mom's going to do, you know? Like, so I go back home. I jump the fence. I knock on the door. She opens the door. She says to me, ah. Oh. She smiles. She says to me, you took a lot longer than what I thought you were. So she says to me. So she opens up. She lets me in. She's still had a plate of food for me. Still loved me. 
Just before I went to bed, she said to me, when I was saying goodnight, you know what needs to happen now. So I was like, yeah, I know. So she gave me a really big hiding, guys. <laughs> Massive. Massive. So I asked her this question. I said, Mom, were you not afraid when I left? She says, no, I wasn't afraid, my baby. She said, why? She says, because you're a gift from God to me that I'm responsible for. She says, I know that what you did, you didn't learn in this house, but you need to be able to pick what's right and what's wrong. And you picked wrong. And there's a consequence for that. And this is the consequence. She said to me, in this house, I will teach God. Right? She said to me, always remember that. Okay, so who you surround yourself around is important, guys. They just spoke about it now. Community, you want to be good with money, get around God-fearing people who are good with money. You're having relationship issues, don't go to the single person who's out in the club. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Okay, be wise. Okay, in the book of Joshua 1.8, the Bible says, that the book of the law should not, should not depart from your lips, that you meditate on it day and night so that you can observe to do everything that is in it. Everything that is in it. And then it carries on and says, so that you, it doesn't say so that God will, it says so that you will make your path straight and be prosperous and have good success. I love how it defines success. It says good success, which means a success that is bad. Success that is not built and not founded on what God says. So please, guys, okay, I'm asking you please, because I know that God is good. I've seen him in my life. Okay, and I'm, honestly, I'm not too bugged or too bothered by how old you are in this room and how much experience you have. The message is the message. I'm not too bothered about how young you are. The message is the message, and it's applicable to you. Solomon says that the person who doesn't Welcome instruction and correction is stupid. That's biblical. And he was a qualified guy. He was qualified to say that. He had a thousand wives. Anyone who has a thousand wives and can manage, <laughs> he's worth listening to. All right? So we're involved. Everybody say, I am involved in my walk with God. Awesome. Love you guys. Cheers.